So, um, thanks Noah and Kiva from Barcelona Improv Group to join our first um, official podcast for the website Bleib im Haus. Um, that's bleibim.house um, as um, the URL, uh, German websites. And um, Noah and Kiva have joined from Big Improv Group Barcelona to let us know how um, in times of um, confinement at the house, things have changed uh, with doing improv, um, mainly online these days. So thanks a lot for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us, yeah. And of these podcasts episode, um, there's also going to be a summary online sometime um, next week. Um, and also a German and English version, so um, we can share it with as many people as possible on the website and also privately around. So, um, how about we just start with a little introduction of you guys. Um, who are you? Where are you from? Uh, what do you do in life? What's your background? And maybe your favorite online tool you use every day. Noah, do you want to go first? Yeah. Uh, my name is Noah Levin. I am an American. I've been living in Barcelona since 2011. And I do improv. That's my main, my main gig. Um, I came here uh, when the Barcelona Improv Group was just getting off the ground. And I've devoted myself to it for the last nine years, building it out as uh, not only a performance group, uh, but also a school, the big school of improv. And we do uh, classes, we do workshops, we have guest workshops coming in from all over. And we also do an international festival every November called The Big If. And we're gearing up for the seventh edition this November, hoping that everything goes forward. And uh, we normally do in-person improv classes. Uh, we run seven uh, different classes every week with different levels. And we have four full-time teachers that do those classes and another four teachers that join us to do drop-in workshops every Sunday. And that's of the before times. Uh, I also do work as a, uh, a voiceover actor uh, around town and occasional uh, commercials and things like that. Kiva? Mm -hmm. Great, how do you follow that? Oh my goodness. Uh, so my name's Kiva Murphy. I'm Irish and French and I moved to Barcelona about six or seven years ago. Uh, my background is predominantly in clowning and in theater. So I started working as a clown, I don't know, 15 years ago, more or less. And kind of, I did improv through clowning. So I kind of came into improv from a bit of a, an untoward, kind of a different way. Uh, I suppose in the more traditional route of taking classes, creating a team and then performing with that team. Um, so I, I worked as a clown and all for a long time uh, as a clown doctor in children's hospitals and then also as an actress doing different kind of movies and TV commercials like Noah said. Uh, and then I got involved with Big two or three years ago, something like that, kind of by accident. Um, by accidentally sending Noah an email about something completely different and we met up and we realized that we really vibed and we saw kind of teaching and improv and theatre in very similar ways and he asked me to start being one of the uh, the drop-in teachers for Sundays and then it kind of has progressed on a very very steady incline since then 
and now I've become one of the teachers and now I've started um, teaching in, in other international festivals. So it's been, improv has kind of taken over my life a lot in the last few years, which is- That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, wish I could say that, um, but yeah, um, maybe someday, I don't know. <laughs> Um, you guys want to share your favorite online tool with us that you use every day? Zoom. Yep. Yeah. Zoom. Had, the people who own Zoom are making a fortune out of improvisers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not from lots of people. I'm spending not just a lot of my time teaching. Uh, I've only used Zoom since, since the teaching online, um, but also a lot of hangouts with friends. Uh, I've just been doing a, a making pasta class also on zoom so it's i spent a good few of my hours of my day on zoom mm -hmm. um yeah You're largely the same uh i take a catalan class and we do that on hangouts but pretty much everything else has been on zoom uh yesterday i had a, a social meetup with um a, a different uh, pan-european improv group that i'm a part of called ohana uh, then I had a board meeting for Ohana, uh, also on Zoom. Then I attended a drop-in workshop from a London-based uh, improv theater called The Nursery. And yeah, I've been teaching the regular weekly classes. We uh, got into lockdown in the middle of week eight of our 10-week uh, term. So we've been transitioning our in-person classes to online to just finish out the, the winter term. And then also doing our Sunday drop-in workshops on Zoom and people just sign up to those. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, and I'm thinking about uh, having a little movie night and seeing who wants to come. We can do a little bit of uh, video chatting and then I can cast a movie from uh, my computer. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> So I guess um, the burning question right now uh, is because just recently Zoom had security issues with their app. Did you guys get hacked yet? No, Any but weird? I've heard of some people who have. Yeah. Hacked I don't know. Let's, uh, that um, random people enter your Zoom. If you don't uh, not in your with class. the password, for example. Um, and then weird things happen, I hear. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's hope. <laughs> We stay safe now um, and uninterrupted. But yeah. I think they're like heavily working on patching up the bugs, so we should be okay, I guess. I suppose that's more of an issue with companies that are doing business. You know, if there's a, uh, a Google team or a Microsoft team or a Deutsche Bank team that's doing an online meeting and discussing sensitive data. But I think if somebody were to pirate our improv games <laughs> online, I don't think it would be a, a major a big a drama. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, how do you say nice input from the outside unforeseen change of yeah. scene <laughs> in that way, maybe. Okay. So you already started uh, mentioning a little bit, but um, what maybe um, going deeper into how your work has changed, what else has changed um, in your improv lives? with the Corona situation and using Zoom to improv with people? I'm, I mean, it's, it's interesting because there, for me, there seem to be kind of two categories. 
there are the people who uh, have been taking improv for a year, two, three years, and they're doing it mainly uh, in terms of socializing, meeting people, having something to do. So those people are really delighted to, to join an improv class online because they still get to connect with their class. They still get to have banter, play games together, uh, and they're really enjoying having that moment. What I have found is that it becomes improv and also kind of a therapy session at the same time. Because people are using that moment of, I know a Tuesday at seven o'clock, I'm going to see my 12 friends and I'm going to get to offload uh, and speak, speak about these hardships or things that have happened or things that have happened to my family that have been tricky. And they're using it really as a way of connecting, um, which, is, which is lovely. It's quite intense as the teacher. Uh, I, we've been doing the classes for 90 minutes online and I'm exhausted afterwards, uh, much more so than I would be when I run a two and a half hour, three, four, five hour workshop. I feel like mm -hmm. it's very, cause you're trying to look at everybody directly in the eyes to see if they've understood, see if they're okay, see if they're following, see if they have a question. So you're really, uh, as a teacher, I think it's quite interesting to be really in tune with all of your students. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the other side of things are the improv teams that myself and Noah, for example, perform in two separate teams together. Um, and I find that one a little bit more frustrating because I really want to play. There, we're all professional improvisers. We all love to perform together. I'm a very physical performer and, and I feel like I've had my wings clipped a certain amount. So it's interesting in the way that it makes you, it forces you to create characters in a different way. It forces you to listen, to take turns and take focus. But it's also frustrating because I really want to play with my friends. So Of course, yeah. The direct physical interaction and maybe faster reactions, I can imagine now, to what's going on. It's definitely slowed down the way that we do improv, whether we're playing scenes or playing games. But as Kiva was saying, there is a benefit to that in that you are focusing a lot more in certain ways and playing a more polite improv. You can't cut somebody off or interrupt them and have crosstalk. And that's something that when you're working with students and even with pros comes up quite a bit where people will interrupt one another uh, because they're so eager to get their next line out and they're not listening to the full line of their partner. And with this, you really have to not only wait for your partner to stop, but you also have to stop. So you have to be more deliberate with your lines. You can't just go blah, 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 and wait to be cut off. You have to be deliberate about finishing your sentences and having uh, some punch to the lines that you give. Also, there's that side benefit if you don't have to worry about your mind and you don't have to worry about your physical spacing and other concerns that you have just on stage, you can just really focus in on listening to the dialogue and uh, looking at the facial expressions and reading the emotion on the faces. So it's like if we were to do a masterclass just on facial expressions and emotion and listening, we're doing that now. 
because we're so focused in. And as Kiva was saying as well, it is exhausting. I think you, when you're doing improv, yeah, if at the end of a two and a half hour class in person, I'm really energized because I'm moving around and I'm accessing everything. And this, it's so heavy on the eyes, staring at a screen and looking at people in little boxes that you, you use one muscle for 90 minutes instead of kind of cross training everything for two and a half hours. Um, I think there's also parallels that can be drawn um, to like, you know, business type of online meetings where um, people now maybe also have to focus more to understand or um, just because our attention span gets shorter, like you say, um, it's super hard to stay concentrated. Um, that maybe those also um, profit in a way from becoming more focused, more intentional. People are more conscious about what they want to say, how they want to say it. Um, I, I think that's true, but I think also you're fighting a lot more distractions. So if the three of us were having a meeting now in a cafe and we're sitting opposite each other, I'm not going to take out my phone in the middle of the meeting because you'd see me. Whereas mm -hmm. perhaps I can just have my phone here. Maybe you're doing a scene together. I open up another browser. I check Facebook. I come back. Somebody walks past. Mm -hmm. I think it's also your, I think we have to be kind to ourselves and realize that we're fighting a lot of impulses and a lot of external factors all the time, much more than we would have if we were in a business meeting or in a class. Mm -hmm. um, so is that something that you also notice during improv classes that people switch their attention to other devices or I don't know? I haven't seen it yet, but I, I think 90 minutes is kind of enough. Uh, because people need to kind of shake it up and move around a little bit. And I feel that one or two of my classes has gone on to two hours because people are having such a nice time together. So I don't mm -hmm. want to cut it off. Uh, and then you start to see people kind of lose focus <laughs> a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think it is, yeah, one of those things that it's easy to, to disengage as well because you're looking you're really looking at that at that box and one of the things that we're trying to do as well is find the ways to keep more people engaged uh, more often and i think that's something that you know uh, for us changing to our classes online we're going through that learning curve of how to teach classes online and i've noticed just in the last three weeks that we're getting better at it, learning more tips and sharing a lot of tips. Um, mm -hmm. Try this exercise, do this at the beginning of a class, do this at the beginning of an exercise so that we're engaging people even more. And actually one of the things that we've been talking about is developing more classes specifically in this medium because we don't know how long we're gonna need to do it and our classes are wrapping up, but the quarantine isn't. So we're having a meeting tomorrow to talk about not only ways that we can uh, offer new kinds of classes or workshops to fit people's schedules, to fit people's energy levels. Some people are doing their regular office jobs eight hours a day. Some people have very little going on. So different schedules, different energies, different 
willingness to look at the screen. And then also different types of things. We're, we're looking into how we can offer our corporate classes, because normally we would go into a company and do a team building exercise with them or communications training with a group of 10 or 20 people in a business setting. And we want to start finding ways to do an online session for the people that are video conferencing as their way of work and how we can get them to communicate better or just get along better with these people that you are video conferencing with every day instead of seeing in the office. And as well, like Kiva was saying, that there is this therapeutic aspect and this social aspect during this time of isolation that improv can really help with. So we wanna see if we can serve not only our regular students that are with us every week and every year, but if we can still continue to get the benefits of improv out to more people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that um, it can help a lot also for people, for example, like me, we've known each other from past improv classes as well, but then I changed countries, so, um, I couldn't see my friends anymore that I had from improv. So now also having a virtual setting where you can join from anywhere in the world, basically um, could also make these connections a bit stronger again, uh, more regular, maybe. Yeah. So. And it's, it's, but that's also going both ways, which is really nice. So yeah, the other day I, I taught a class and there was someone from America, someone from Germany, someone from Spain. So there were, you know, 10 people from about four or five different places, which is really nice. Um, but what's lovely is that between the improviser community and the teaching community, everyone is also really sharing tips, which is lovely. There are countless Facebook posts and groups and links to, I've tried this online, this really worked. Can somebody help with this idea? Um, so it's also kind of brought all of the teachers uh, and facilitators around the world together in a totally different way. Uh, whereas those Facebook groups were maybe there before, but I never really looked at them. Whereas now I'm actively going, oh, I'm really interested to see what they did in Germany in that improv mm -hmm. class. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's also a, a nice feeling of kind of cohesion between the teachers, which is really good. Yeah, and everybody's at the same level as well. Mm -hmm. So in some of those improv teacher support groups, you might have somebody who's just starting classes or just starting corporate classes and other people that have been doing uh, classes in uh, in all sorts of ways for decades but now everybody has been doing online improv classes for less than a month so we are all figuring it out together and finding ways to support each other and just keep each other motivated and inspired mm. Mm. Um, that was also one of the questions I was thinking about like um, how would you say that moderating or teaching or facilitating an in-person class is different from a virtual class? Maybe building on what you've already said, that it's like super hard for the duration, that you have to sort of try to look at everybody. What other things did you notice? So when I prepare my in real life classes, I, I make sure to have a difference uh, of setups. So for example, we might have everybody moving for one exercise. Then the next exercise, uh, we have everybody in a circle together. Then if I feel like we've been in a circle for too long, uh, too long I'll get everybody in pairs. So the, the student gets a very wide variety. One, of sharing focus just with one person. 
sometimes performing something, sometimes being in a group and sharing everything. And so they learn a lot of different skills, which is mixed with different physicalities of taking up the space and moving around the room in a different way. So I try and keep the class as dynamic as possible. So if someone is sitting down for too long, okay, everybody, let's get on our feet and let's do this game to make a little bit of air in the room again and to inspire us, literally. Whereas when you're doing a sedentary class for 90 minutes, you don't have that option. Uh, so I have been discovering some things on Zoom where they have a thing called breakout rooms where you can make separate rooms. So I could say that, Julia and Noah, you guys go to this room and do this exercise and then come back and you can share what you, what you learned or what you felt. Um, so it does make everything slow down because you can't just say, everybody go up on their feet and it takes a little bit more kind of technological uh, pauses to get through that but there are ways of trying to make it dynamic so that it's not just I'm in a circle a virtual circle and I'm waiting for Noah to speak and then I speak because that'll be very easy for me to just start to tune out so so yeah yeah and I think one of the things that helps is that the students are learning zoom as well so a month ago we were all novices for video conferencing and now people are learning how to use it. It's more comfortable to use it when we're doing games where like I'll, I'll put in the chat, this is the order of our circle and the students know how to read that better and play games with a little bit faster rhythm. And there's also fun things we can do in Zoom that we haven't done, uh, you know, that we don't normally do. So I did a class on Wednesday where everybody was playing uh, one character in two scenes back to back. So you see the same character uh, in two different interactions. And because they're all linked to each other, uh, this was all characters on one cruise ship. So when people knew that their turn was coming up, they would find around their room a little costume piece or make a virtual background. So we had uh, more character play that you don't get to do in improv because we don't have costumes, we don't have scenery, but in Zoom, we can. So it's just a little extra fun as we explore the technology that we get to bring that variety back and be creative with it. Mm. And people are being quite filmic in the way that they're uh, doing things as well. So people will leave the screen or they will take the camera and hold it at a different angle. Uh, so things become a little bit more kind of sci-fi and, and virtual. People are starting to think mm -hmm. about their character on Zoom uh, and their screen, their little box, like Noah said earlier. They're, trying to, they're starting to think of that in, a, in kind of a more filmic television way. So what happens if I talk to you and I'm back here? And what happens if I do this and I disappear or <laughs> people are, are, are starting to be playful with it and not see it as a, as a hindrance. Mm. That sounds great. Um, I'm kind of curious if that happens also in other online meetings, if people now also start to be more, I don't know, a bit more interactive, a bit more wanting to explore different varieties of things you can do in Zoom or in other softwares as well. Um, I would like to know about that very moment when you decided to switch your classes um, from in person because it wasn't possible anymore to virtual, like um, 
maybe you could um, go into that a bit. How was that for you? How did you feel? Um, was it an easy decision to just do it or did you have to, you know, do a group check-in before? How did that work? There was a wild 24-hour period. Uh, <laughs> a month ago, uh, we were having a meeting uh, as the teachers. This was on the 11th of March. And in the morning, we all met at a cafe, uh, you know, not shaking hands, uh, trying to enforce some social distancing, but it, things were still basically normal here. And the previous night, I taught my class, and we just, you know, made sure no handshakes, no kisses, uh, everybody wash your hands as soon as you get in the door. And we were making plans about the student performances that were supposed to happen last weekend. We were making plans about what courses we'll be teaching in the spring, who will teach them and on what days, and just sort of going over the business. And during that meeting, I went to the bathroom and I noticed a text on my phone from one of my students asking, are student classes, are student shows canceled? And I was like, what are you talking about? She says, are you looking at the news? <laughs> and so we look at the news that's on the screen in the cafe and it says the school and university closures in Madrid. We're like, oh, wow, okay. It's, yeah, it's getting more serious in Spain. And then we started, after the meeting, sharing articles. And one article that got shared was this Medium article about uh, the exponential growth of the disease and how every day counts. And we started this four-hour back and forth of sharing news and deciding, should we cancel classes now? Should we wait? Should we wait and see what the government says? And 45 minutes before Wednesday classes were supposed to start, we decided cancel. And we just canceled the Wednesday classes right there. We didn't really know what we were going to do. The next day, the travel bans get announced for Spain. Uh, the next day, uh, we're going to go into a lockdown that starts on Monday. So in 48 hours, our world went from everything's normal, that's an Italy problem, to buy toilet paper now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what, what was interesting, interesting was that when we were going through this, like uh, Noah said, this back and forth between the four teachers, what would we do? Uh, we we're also, I don't know about you know, but I was also fielding lots of uh, questions from all my students, from students, from performers, from people like, what do you think? What do you think? Oh, I'm not going to come to the class, but I'm scared of this, but I don't know about this. So everyone started sharing articles from around the world. And when we eventually announced uh, no classes, that's it. Today's class is cancelled and then tomorrow's and then, then the world kind of shut down in Spain. Uh, my first reactions I was getting from students were, oh, why? You're taking it too seriously. Uh, how could you possibly? And then 24 hours later, thank you so much for looking after us. Thank you for, <laughs> for taking our health seriously. Uh, we understand now why you, you know, cancelled the classes and the shows and different things. So the difference in 24 hours was remarkable. Yeah, and, and this, this pace of change, especially at the beginning of the, of the quarantine period, was just dizzying. That 24 hours is, was a huge difference. 
at the same time this was happening, I was organizing a weekend retreat in Berlin for an international improv group. We have 50 members from 25 countries. And we'd started with 30 people signed up to go. And then every couple days, somebody would drop out. You know, oh, I'm coming from Israel and I think there's going to be mandatory quarantines if I leave and come back. Oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in Italy and there's just no way that this is going to happen. And leading up until three days before, we were down to 15 from the original 30. And then people started dropping out every eight hours. And I was updating the hostel with new requirements for beds and meals and, you know, reshuffling. Okay, now we have four vegetarians, one lactose-free. And so, you know, okay, now there's three vegetarians. And, and then we ended up the day before canceling because we were down to 10 people. And we're like, this is changing too fast. We don't want somebody to go and then get stuck. And so we canceled it. And the response from everybody was a resounding thank you. However, three people still went to Berlin mm -hmm. and, they, and they hung out in the flat, basically quarantining in the flat of one of the improvisers in Berlin, hanging out, playing games, not going outside at all, uh, and then went back to their home countries to quarantine there. What? <laughs> I didn't know that part. <laughs> well, that's also um, a good way to spend your quarantine improv with your uh, roommates, your family, or whoever you get locked up with <laughs> because yeah. you can't I, leave, yeah. If I can share one more thing about just the wildness, uh, Kiva and I, so our, our other improv group together, uh, besides Big, is called 3.5%. And the weekend before, four days before we canceled our classes, we were all in Sweden at an improv festival. Having the best time performing, meeting people, taking glasses, exploring Sweden, eating, drinking, being married, talking to people, dancing together, karaoke, everything you could imagine that a, a festival would be, whether you know about improv or not. And then we flew home Sunday night mm -hmm. and then Monday this kind of started and then by, by Wednesday shut down. So mm. yeah, the difference that feels like so long ago that we were in Sweden. <laughs> It really yeah. it really does but uh what you were just saying about the people that you're locked up with <laughs> for want of a better word um i think the friendships that people will create and the stories that will come in the future like oh who did you spend your quarantine with oh, i was with my grandparents oh, i was with my friend i was with my housemate and the stories that will come out of who you spend quarantine with and the connections or lack thereof that you will make with those people I just think is is fascinating will be fascinating mm -hmm. where we can laugh about this in the future true it's going to be one or the other improv scene for sure about quarantining <laughs> um i wanted to ask you about um what other tools you use um doing online improv is there anything additional to zoom that you've been using with your students um i still I, I use a lot of music in my classes so i still use music so i found that if i have my speaker i can play it so that the students can still hear it and interact with the music so that's been really nice i also have a whiteboard just a small kind of whiteboard that i use occasionally um which can just be helpful 
to not interrupt and not make the person have to stop and look at their camera and look at the chat. Um, although the chat is useful, but uh, the whiteboard has been useful sometimes as well, just to have something if I don't have to interrupt uh, verbally. But apart from that, not really. I mean, that online, like we mentioned earlier about Facebook and other online groups, uh, I'm gaining research from other people and what other people have been doing. So I suppose that's probably part of the preparation for the classes. And you can also take advantage of other improv groups. So last night I took a class from a London-based theater where I know many of the performers there and now I have an opportunity to take a, cl a class with them. Uh, we watched an online show from a Texas-based uh, improv group that played at The Big If in 2016. They did one of the first uh, video conference-based improv shows. I uh, watched another from that same London group. Uh, we're working on uh, creating one as big. So uh, there's going to be an opportunity for us as performers to reach people that aren't in Barcelona who, are, who could normally watch our show. And there's an opportunity for us as consumers to watch improv from other people. And it's been nice to see uh, people that uh, are, are pianists from the festival uh, for the last three years, Sasha Hudemacher, who's based out of Boom Chicago in Amsterdam. He's been doing a quarantine song of the day. So somebody oh. gives him a suggestion for a single word, and then he plays a three to five minute piano piece improvised based on that suggestion. I saw another from Sing It, uh, which is uh, Heather Urquhart and Joe Samuel, and they're a musical duo, and they were the musical team at the first three uh, Big If festivals, and they're coming for Big If 7. And uh, they just started their own uh, improvised songs, uh, just asking in the Facebook Live chat. And they're in their separate houses doing improv songs together. Mm -hmm. That sounds very complex, but really awesome if you can do it. Like, um, I don't know, for me, I'm not very much of a instrument playing person. So, um, but also like to see that. Maybe I'll go check it out afterwards if there's something online uh, recorded. Uh, super there are tons. There are absolutely tons. And every day someone else thinks of a new way of doing it. So it's like mm -hmm. Noah said, like a month ago, no one had a clue. This has never been a, an issue. No one ever really thought about doing this before that I'm aware of. And now you're faced with the re reality that this is the only way to do improv and to connect with people for the moment, for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. Who knows how long this will go on for. Uh, so people, instead of shirking the face of the adversity, are going, okay, I'm going to step up to this plate. I'm going to see what I can do. Um, and apart from improv, people have been doing, you know, pub quizzes, uh, making movies together uh, without ever even being in the same space. So people are doing really, really interesting, clever things. Which is... mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that also somehow leads to my next question a bit. Like, what do you think people can learn from improvising online for their daily lives? So um, what you said is like um, people explore tons of skills, um, becoming more and more creative. Yeah, I think definitely it helps with the creativity. It helps in terms of missing connections. I think improv is often about making connections. So I say something and it maybe leads you to think four different things. So you can still get all of that skill online about making connections and, and piecing things together one by one to make a story, to make a game 
to make anything. Um, and I just think, I think a sense of playfulness uh, you can still get from playing improv online, which I think is what people are maybe missing. We don't have that physical connection. We can't go out and have, have beers and tapas with our friends and, and have that kind of spontaneity in our lives because we're, we are not allowed to be spontaneous at the moment. Whereas for this one or two hours, you can watch a show or perform, uh, perform or take place in a class. Um, it's that moment where you can still be spontaneous. You can still feel yourself. You can still have an output for some of your ideas. Uh, and also, it's just a joy to make somebody else laugh. So if you say something in a class and somebody else laughs and enjoys it, you get that huge sense of satisfaction of, I've just lightened that person's day for a moment. Mm -hmm. So I think that is a really nice thing to realize. Mm -hmm. I think as well, just, just seeing a screen full of faces of these people that I absolutely adore is so nice. When you're just kind of cooped up all day and then, you know, as the hour ticks closer, you just get to see 12 faces and it's wonderful. It's just wonderful to, to see these people that I, I genuinely miss and I only get to see them once or twice a week. Yeah. And people, I mean, I have some students going, you know, they might send a message in the morning, for example, saying, I can't wait for this evening. It's kept me going all week. Uh, it's really the highlight of my day. Uh, and these kind of things that people are really looking forward to it. So even if I finish teaching a class and I'm exhausted, uh, and famished, I don't know about you know, but I'm always really hungry after the class. <laughs> I think because you're firing on so many cylinders, like you said, trying to keep so many balls up in the air. Um, then I, I think of uh, people saying like, this has really brightened my day. This has really helped. This has really been great to look forward to something. Again, we're living in a world that kind of has no hours and days don't really mean anything anymore. So if we can have some sense of this happens a Saturday at two o'clock, it can be something to to work towards in your week uh, where everything seems kind of bottomless. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I would like you to think back um, the first virtual improv class that you um, held. Maybe if you can talk about how you felt before you started the class and how you felt after, like what were things that you were um, looking forward to maybe what were things you were worried about um, because many people also now have to start like being facilitators in online meetings which they have never done before so maybe um, you could tell us what you experienced before your first online class I think one of the nice things from that first class was that it was an improv class so everybody would be very forgiving so I was very open about the technological difficulties and I just said we're going to figure this out together and uh, the teachers beforehand uh, had cooked up a list of games that we thought could transition to an online realm but we'd never tried them so uh, we went in and said okay here's the plan it's gonna work like this and we'd start and maybe it wouldn't work or maybe there would just be more explanation. There's a certain amount that if you can only explain in an audio way, uh, instead of doing more physical demonstrations, then it changes it a little bit, but at least everybody was very forgiving 
And I think that's something that has carried through starting every, every class. Cause maybe there's somebody that missed the first and second session and they're coming in for the first time on the third session. So you have to reinitiate people and to just say, Hey, we're trying something new. It's a new medium for us. It's a new experience for us. We're figuring this out together and let's give each other that leeway. And I think in general, people are very forgiving as long as you're honest about it, that I'm struggling too, and I'm doing my best. And I'm going to give, I'm going to have faith that you're doing your best as well. So maybe you're not paying attention to this because somebody uh, in your kitchen is calling out to you and you're trying to balance that attention. Or maybe you've got your kids in the other room, or maybe you're doing this class, but you know that you have these unanswered emails on your phone that you've got to get back to at some point, and that's distracting you. Um, so we, we give people the benefit of the doubt that, yeah, you're doing this in a suboptimal way, and do your best, and tell us what your needs are, and we'll give you, we'll give you what you need. And I think if that's going 12 different ways, then it makes the experience much easier to get into. And then we, we can fly with it. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I had quite a different, uh, experience. Um, I, I, I mean, a second what Noah said that we, as the teachers made a list of games that we might be able to play. So there was quite a bit more preparation before the class. Uh, because I was not only thinking, okay, I, I know this exercise, I know how to teach this if I was in person. How can I teach this online and how can I deal with, uh, you know, the internet going, going down badly or there being a delay between my words and your words or what happens if I can't see you or hear you. So there was kind of a, a bit more extra preparation. Now I've gotten the hang of it, so it's, it's gotten easier. I know, okay, that will work. That will work, but I'll have to do it like this. So that's all gotten a bit easier and kind of like with anything with practice, it gets easier. Um, so I was a bit apprehensive before the first class. I said, I just don't know if this is going to work and I don't know how helpful I can be. I like being very hands-on. I like going from one idea to the next quite quickly and I can't do that online. So I felt quite uh, restricted in how I would be able to teach and um, things like music, things like moving people around and being dynamic. But then, I did a, an hour and a half, two hour class, that first class, and people were so grateful. They were so pleased. They were so pleased to see each other. And they actually did really such good work. They did scenes that I was really impressed by. People, it was a foundations class, so they've only ever taken seven classes with me, and they'd never, any, never done anything else in terms of improv or very little beforehand. And the fact that there was these 12 people willing to play uh, with different people in different houses, different countries, and so, so up for it and so excited about it, it literally brought tears to my eyes, which I shared with them. I said, look, this has been really beautiful and thank you. Thank you for, you know, being patient and being forgiving, as Noah said, uh, but they are helping me as much as I'm helping them. So it didn't, it didn't feel as hard as I thought it would. So yeah, I think it's, I think it can be very rewarding for people who have never facilitated or taught online and this is a whole new world. It really can be very, something really special. Mm -hmm. 
um, talking of uh, special, um, if you had to like phrase uh, one big moment of truth or one key learning that you've taken from the past weeks of uh, virtual improv, what would that be? That people, I, I think people are tough. People want to connect with other people. And we can't do it in the way that we normally would right now, but people are still putting their hand out in loads of different ways. Uh, and every day they think of a new way of, I could connect with this person in this way. So I think people are resilient and they will bounce back. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Uh, I think it's been fantastic to see how people will transition and to be, you know, to be fair, our job, you know, for most of us is much easier. I think the people that are out there on the front lines, not only the, the healthcare workers, but the people that are working at the grocery stores, interacting with all of us one at a time, uh, the people that are doing the sanitation, the people that are keeping the lights on and the internet running and all of these things, you know, those people are absolutely heroes. They're holding society together. And because of their work, we're able to sit here with our lights, with our internet, with our fully stocked fridge so that we only have to leave the house every few days. Um, you know, we've got this amazing opportunity and, and dare I say luxury that we can do these creative and social pursuits uh, together. And I think it's great that everybody is not only um, a able to do this, but that we're all kind of giving that extra hand and supporting each other, uh, in, you know, us in the improv community, supporting each other with, uh, here's a song, here's a scene, here's a video, here's a show. Um, Here's a class. Here's some tips on teaching your classes. Here's a, a hangout for us together to play games. Um, and, and I think it also has inspired people to, to share in different ways that they, that they can. Uh, whether it's, you know, picking up groceries for their neighbors. Um, I did a, a math lesson this morning for a friend of mine in Poland who has to homeschool her daughter in fractions. And, and I could help with that with a, with a Zoom call. <laughs> and some Google Docs, uh, you know, that I think people are just, they're seeing the amazing sacrifice that our healthcare workers, grocery workers, and utility workers are doing. And, uh, and it's like, I, well, and I should give too. And, and I think it's really nice to see that people are, are willing to do that. And it's a great time to catch up on Netflix. Yeah, yes, as well. <laughs> um, maybe um, building on that, um, people are tough. People will still try to connect with each other. They will, um, you know, overcome um, diff difficult situations, especially if you have access to these kinds of technologies, if you're one of the lucky ones um, being able to stay at your house. Um, I was wondered, um, I was asking myself when I prepared for the session, um, because mental health is also super, super important these days. Um, 
because you were also saying it's a bit therapeutic for some participants of the sessions. Um, what uh, change do you see in your students um, before and after the class? Maybe we can build a bit more on that idea. Um, I think before the class, I think people are much more honest. I think there's something about the fact that they're not physically uh, in the class that lets people be more honest. So people will sometimes start the class and go, look guys, I just want to say I'm having a bit of a hard day. Uh, this is what's happened or I'm just going to maybe participate and I'm just going to watch. And that's happened a couple of times that someone is just having a bit of a low day. I completely empathize because I've also had some days where I just am not motivated and not feeling positive and optimistic and other days where things are things are easier uh, so I would always say absolutely if you want to just watch that's completely fine if you need to leave also completely fine so people have been very open uh, at the start of classes and no one has gone more than five minutes without getting involved because then they see their friends laughing and playing uh, and then they join in and you see their faces change like Noah said at the start of this um, chat we've been having that uh that you're watching the emotions very carefully on, on everybody's faces and at the end they're laughing and giggling and and sending each other love and kisses and and thank yous and so the change is remarkable uh, that people can go from being very down to oh no let's play another game no no what about this and maybe we could do a class on saturday morning as well or maybe we could have dinner together and they're just finding it's the same thing they're finding ways uh, to try and make the best of it. Um, so yeah, I have seen a huge difference. And, my, and myself as a teacher as well, although I'm tired, I feel um, really happy at the end of the classes. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. Uh, and that's one of the things that, uh, you know, was also one of the techniques talked about in transitioning to online classes is you can't just start. Uh, you need to take 10 minutes and just check in with everybody. And it takes time because only one person can speak at a time. And, and you need to just, yeah, kind of get that, that leveling in of everybody knows where everybody's feeling, uh, how everybody's feeling, where they are. And uh, I think it gets to what is so crucial to improv is that honesty. And there's so much of the truth of ourselves and our lives and our emotions that we bring into these interactions that even if we are, uh, you know, I saw a scene the other day that was a ghost talking to an iceberg. There's still mm -hmm. truth behind that. And, and the, fact that we're online doesn't allow us to escape that, that we are coming uh, into this realm as ourselves and bringing our, our emotions and our thoughts and bringing them out to, to play. So I think for everybody, uh, even, even when we're not doing improv classes, if we're just doing our, our job and we're having a video conference meeting, that we need to remember that we're bringing ourselves and we need to allow ourselves that time and that space to express it because we're all going through in some ways the same experience and in some way very individual experiences and you know my mood is changing several times over the day 
of just my energy levels and my experience and my loneliness and whatever it is that we have to acknowledge it. And, and I think when we do that, we get something that's really productive, really connected. And we leave the sessions having been through a 90 minute experience with these people and allowed ourselves that opportunity to kind of let our, let our souls and our psyches play and interact. Mm -hmm. um, very nice thoughts. Um, time is almost up, so I'm going to ask my last three questions. Um, you already mentioned that you're planning maybe to do virtual improv classes also beyond the curfew. So where should people go to find out about that? When it's happening, if it's happening? On the yeah. website, I suppose, no? Yeah, the best mm -hmm. place would be our Facebook group, uh, Big School of Improv, uh, which is where things will be the most up-to-date, uh, including things like, only two spots left in this workshop, sign up now, that we can just get out really quickly, whereas the website uh, will get updated less frequently. But Facebook can really be updated just minute to minute. So uh, it's just big school of improv or facebook.com slash groups slash big school of improv, all one word. And that'll have the links and it'll have the information And it'll also have some pictures um, we take of the of the online classes and yeah the the top post now is from my Wednesday night class <coughs> when people had their costumes on from being on the cruise ship and their and their fun backgrounds so you can see what that looks like. Okay, um, who should uh, take a virtual improv class with you? I think anybody. I think if you've been doing improv for many, many years uh, and you're in another country and you fancy maybe, oh, I'm in Germany, I'd like to see how Kiva teaches a class. Great. Come and join our one of our drop-in classes that are open to anybody, all levels, all countries. Uh, so I think anybody. And then if we're going to start taking, taking this further after our term ends this week, next week, and we're going to open up classes again and open up, uh, open up what we're doing, then I think there'll be some classes there that will be interesting to loads of people. If you've never taken improv before or you have, um, unlike Noah said as well, that we're, we're thinking about doing this whole, the, the corporate side of improv online as well. So what are skills that you can use? How can I take risks while still being at home? How can I still stay motivated? How can I communicate with people? How can I communicate my ideas clearly when I can't physically be in the same place as people? So there are loads of improv trips, tips uh, and tricks that we can help people if this continues for the next weeks or months and um, just still stay connected with themselves and connected with their team and, and do the best work that they can. And what's nice is that improv is really customizable. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, yeah, my, my team is kind of down in the doldrums because we've been doing this video conferencing for three weeks and everybody's just getting sick of each other or whatever other issues that you might have with your work group, then contact us and we can create a session that addresses the needs of your particular work group and do a session or several sessions 
that allow you to see each other in a new light and work through the difficulties of this time. Uh, part of improv is adaptability and we can help people as individuals and we can help people as, as companies and, and corporate teams uh, work together and interact and improve their uh, cooperation and, and efficiency. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, last piece of advice for people who are confined at home, um, maybe related to improv? For me, I think play as much as possible. I think the more games you can create at home, the better. So I'm here, there are three of us in my house where I am at the moment. Uh, and we have water challenges. Who can drink the most water? We take turns washing our dishes. So on Tuesday, I do it. On Wednesday, you cook and I clean or these kind of things. We're going to create a house Olympics, uh, which is going to be a six part game session that we will create different games and create a game Olympics and, and dole out points and give medals. So I think the more playful uh, and kind of playful competitiveness that you can have at your home, uh, to bring those kind of the things that we've spoken about, about improv, about adaptability and playfulness and connection, the more of that you can bring into your home uh, with a nice kind of sense of, of, of joy will really, will bring some happiness into your house. I would say you don't need to shower every day, but you feel better when you do. <laughs> All right um okay that would be it from my side is there anything you like you guys would like to add i think we've covered loads uh thank you very much for having us uh it's also another nice way to connect with people so thank you for inviting us mm -hmm. yeah i think thanks we, for taking the time mm -hmm. thank you okay. very much for having so, us of course um so um, just uh, to tell our listeners out there, um, check our website, Bleibim House. You will find all the links to the Big Improv Group's website and also Facebook groups. Um, maybe uh, we can also link in one of these images that you were talking about from one of your sessions um, so people can sort of get an idea of what this could look like. And um, yeah, maybe we can do this again sometime. Until then, uh, wish you very nice time, stay healthy, stay playing at home and um, keep improv virtually alive until we get to meet again in person, I would say. We will. <laughs> right back at you. Look after yourself too. Okay. Thank you much, Julia.